0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome everybody to episode 579 of the podcast. I am happy as always to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have the absolute honor of being joined today by legendary comedian and entertainer Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey has been crushing the comedy scene for decades. He has had one of the most inspirational and successful careers in my lifetime. He's gone from homeless living in his car to receiving six Daytime Emmy Awards, 10 NCAA CP Image Awards, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and so much more. Everything Steve Harvey touches turns to gold as he has found success on the stage with his stand-up, on TV with The Family Feud, his radio program, The Steve Harvey Morning Show, and as a New York Times best-selling author of several books. Also, as a philanthropist with the Steve and Marjorie Harvey Foundation. Most importantly, Steve Harvey is a first-class father and grandfather all the way. He is a legend who has helped inspire millions of people around the world. And I am so honored to have him on the podcast today. Steve Harvey will be here with me in just a few minutes. So please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Steve Harvey was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the legendary comedian and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode all right and i also have a huge announcement for you guys today my new book first class fatherhood advice and wisdom from high profile dads is now available on amazon for pre-order the book will be released on april 12th it will include so many of the gold nuggets dropped by hundreds of the dads that you've heard right here on first class fatherhood The book is being released by HarperCollins through Harper Horizon. I cannot say thank you enough for all of your support. You, the listener out there, is why I am still here doing this and continuing to bring you the best guests I can possibly find out there, including today's interview with Steve Harvey. And coming up on Friday, my interview with another TV celebrity legend, Dr. Oz, will be joining me here. So please get over to Amazon and pre-order First Class Fatherhood. The link is in today's show notes. The book includes advice from Tony Hawk, Dana White, Kurt Warner, and so many of the other professional athletes, military dads, entrepreneurs, entertainment dads. You guys have heard them all here on the podcast. Here is a collection of all the best advice and wisdom dished out on the podcast right in one awesome book. Visit firstclassfatherhood.com for more information or just go to Amazon and pre-order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads. All right, and be sure you guys are following me on Instagram as I will be going live with Little People, Big World Star, and First Class Father, Matt Roloff. We got a very special announcement to make on the Instagram Live, so follow me at Alec underscore Lace, and you'll also catch up with all the upcoming guest announcements. I got some real bangers coming your way soon. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please get over there and hit me with a rating review on Apple Podcasts. That always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood Rocks, Family Values Rule, and Every Day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the one and only Steve Harvey. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Steve Harvey. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: That's good, man. Thanks for having
0: me. All right, let's start it just like this. How many kids do you have? How old?
1: Uh, Seven kids. I have twins that are 39. I have a daughter who's 31, uh, 32, excuse me, 33. Yeah, she's 33. Uh, we got seven kids, man. <laughs> Start losing track. 39 year old twins, 33, a 30 year old son, a 29 year old son, a 25 year old daughter, and a 24 year old son.
0: Man, wow. Yeah. And obviously you've had a legendary career here. But if you could, Steve, take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey Then, about how old were you when you first became a dad? And how did that experience change your perspective on life?
1: I was 25 when I had the the twins, man. And. uh, They'll be 40 this year. And uh, it was it was tough, man, because. They grew me up uh, really fast. You get twins, man, first time out. You don't have time. (laughs) The figuring out part is over. And I was just, uh, I was thrust from a single guy to, I was married at 24. She was pregnant almost immediately. We got married in February. She was pregnant in November. Kids were born in August. And man, it was off to the races, man. It happened so fast. Uh and it it, it 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 throws you into something, man. You gotta hurry up because manhood is funny. Manhood is coming, ready or not. Uh it knocks on the door. If you don't answer the door, manhood is okay, it kicks it in. And fatherhood speeds it up even quicker. You can you cannot be a man and become a father. And and, and that's gotta be a shocking thing for a young guy. So I'm grateful that I was old enough. I was a man, but this fatherhood sped it up, man, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, well said, Steve. I'm just like you. I married at 24, first child at uh, 25. I got four kids myself. One of the things, Steve, I want to get your take on this. I talk about a lot on this podcast is the fatherless crisis that we have going on, where we got so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure, and it's having a devastating Uh, impact on our society. I really feel like if we could strengthen our family units and bring some God back into the family, back into society, I think the majority of the problems we're seeing uh, would start to dissolve quickly. What's your take?
1: Well, I mean, exactly, man. Uh, My father passed when I was 43. Uh, My mom passed when I was 40. He hung on for three years, but my father died from a broken heart man. And uh, they were married 64 years. He just He told me one day, he said, man, I guess I just go on and go see your mama because this ain't worth nothing without her. And I really understood what love was. But at my father's funeral, I was sitting there and I was looking at him laying up there, man. And when I got on the plane to go back to L.A., I said to myself, man, what do young boys and what do young men do who don't have this guy that I had? Because he was one of the sole reasons I had become a success because he kept me on track. And I said, wow, when a, when a young boy doesn't have a father, what does he do? How, do, how does he get to where he wants to go? Because if I, I was clearly looking at my father's funeral, realizing that without this dude, I'm not here today. And that's what started the foundation work that, that 23 years ago. That's when I started. And after that, man, I started, uh, buying, I started buying my land for my ranch. I already had it. My father was able to see that. And that's when I started doing the camps. And I started doing boys' camps. And then I opened up and started doing girls' camps because, to me, for a boy, it's equally important to have a father for a girl because that's her first glimpse of what love should look like the way the father treats her mother. That gives her. And a lot of women are suffering because dads are not around, too. But I knew from watching young boys a father without a a man, a, a young boy without a father. Or role model is like an explorer without a map. I mean, how do you get there, man? It's just too hard. And that's a big part of our crisis is the lack of fathers in the home or fathers being allowed to be fathers for whatever reason, whether it's death, incarceration, separation. Sometimes uh, children are used as a pawn in the divorce. Fathers can't be there for various reasons. So it is a pandemic in our country, in our world. And uh, we, that's why role models are important. That's why mentoring is important. But like I always say, if every man who was a father would just step up and be a dad, we could solve this problem.
0: Yeah, Very well said, Steve. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And like you, um, both of my parents passed away before I became a father myself. My dad died four months right after my mom. Uh, same thing of a broken heart. So I kind of leaned on my Heavenly Father for my, fr- my parenting roles. Faith is something that's very important to me. I know you're a faith-based guy yourself. Yeah. How important was your faith in bringing your children up? Did you? How important was it for you to instill that in them? And what were the top values you hoped to instill in your kids growing up?
1: Man. You know, it's crazy, man. One of the things that i raised my sons, if you ask any one of my sons what the number one rule is, And the number one rule is I shall fear no man, but God. And I raised my sons that way because I knew that you had to overcome fear to become successful, but I knew without that faith, it was going to be impossible. And, uh, I've always talked about faith with my, with my children always. Um, my oldest daughter is like a, a spiritual guru to a lot of people. Brandy, um, All of my children got exposed to faith, but I, like myself, you know, even though I grew up in the church and was raised in faith, I slipped away for a while. You know, uh, when I was homeless, man, homelessness kind of brought it back into focus for me because I had made enough stupid decisions on my own. I was, you better believe when I was living in that car for three years, I was talking to God a lot, man, (laughs) because I really thought that I had, learned. I, I said, hey, God, listen, whatever lesson you're trying to teach me, I got it. I can get out this car. You need to get me an apartment. You need to, I need a bathroom. I need a flat screen TV. I need all this because whatever lesson you're trying to teach me, I got it. He said, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm going to keep you out here a little bit longer. And so that faith of my mother being a Sunday school teacher came into play with my parenting because, I mean, man, you know, you don't get a manual with this thing of being a father. You just don't. No, you don't get the manual, man. And each kid is different. And I had to talk to God a lot of times because I was making mistakes, you know. One of the biggest mistakes I made was I raised my sons the way my dad raised me. But that's kind of crazy because I was trying to instill in my sons the same thing my father had instilled in me. But I had created this life where my children didn't have to have the same life I had. So I'm trying to instill in them all of these hardcore, tough, bulldog concepts that I had, but my kids had their own bathroom in, they, in their room. They had their own computer. They had a jacket with a crest on it. They they didn't get in fights at school. They don't, because fighting wasn't allowed at their school. I was going, oh, this, is, this is great, but I'm teaching my sons to fight so you don't get picked on every day, but fighting isn't allowed at the school. So it's sort of a it's, it's, been a, it's been a tough combination, man, to balance between that and especially when you're a person of faith. My father wasn't a faith-based person, so all he ever talked to me about was just manhood, man. This is what we do. You've got to have some dog in you. You've got to have some grit. And I appreciate that because I needed that even as a person of faith. I found out I had to have a lot of dog in me. But uh, that combination of those two people kind of really helped me. But faith has been at the forefront. Yeah, very cool.
0: And I love the fact that you you are open about your faith. I think we need so many more people that are prominent members, celebrities, what have you, to be open and honest about your faith. I think it's so important. And I've never been homeless, but I've been a paycheck away. You know what I mean? It's so yeah. faith I'm, a, I'm a recovering alcoholic addict the whole bit myself. So uh, I, faith has been something that's pulled me through a lot of the fire in my life. And just to piggyback on what you were saying there about being different than your dad. Uh, obviously, now you're, you're, you're Judge Steve Harvey here. You're deciding other people's sentences. But what, what kind of disciplinarian have you been as a father? And how is that different than the discipline style you grew up with?
1: Well, it's kind of crazy, man, because I was the same dude to my sons, man. I've been, you know, I, I don't know how people accept this. It's okay. But, you know, my sons are full-blown adults. You know, uh, spanking was not uh, off limits at my house, you know. It was a check and balance. I mean, you know, look, man. Here's the way I work. I operate it this way. When you first do something wrong, I'm gonna sit you down, I'm gonna tell you about it. If you do it again, we're gonna be on some type of punishment. You can't go out, you can't go down to your friend's house, you take your computer. If I got to tell this to you the third time, obviously the talk and the and the taking your privileges wasn't enough. Now we're gonna see how you feel. When I get these hands on you. And if you're willing to do it a fourth time, then you're a bad man and congratulations. You must be running your own household now. But my sons to this day will tell you, it never went past once we got to the laying hands on you. We we never we never committed that crime again. <laughs> so I, you know, I know a lot of people that's not well, you should never hit a child. Now, my daughters were very different. I've never, I've never spanked a daughter of mine, ever, because I just didn't want my daughters to equate a man's love with physicalness. My sons, I took a different approach to them because I had to raise disciplined sons, and I thank God that I did because if you have an undisciplined boy, you are dealing with a future inmate or you're going to bury this boy because when they get out there on them streets, and they undisciplined. There's some people out there that put them in check in a different way. And so it, it was, uh, I used the same type of way I was raised with my dad. Um, not as much, but I did use the majority of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it, great stuff, Steve. And I think going back to that fatherlessness, if, you, if the boy doesn't have any disciplinarian in the home, like I was one of the kids who grew up just waiting till your dad gets home, and that was enough to kind of straighten me <laughs> yeah. right out. Yeah. you know, yeah. So, so not having that as that threat or that presence being there, I think it is leading to a lot more of the problems. Just like I said, with the fatherless stuff and talking about your daughter, my, my youngest is my only girl. She's seven years old. So uh, hopefully Ellen DeGeneres won't be pulling up any pictures of her sitting on some dude's lap anytime soon. But I seen that on Ellen uh, with your daughter and the relationship there. What, how did you kind of what kind of advice did you give to your kids or how did you handle it when your kids became old enough to hit that dating scene?
1: You know, my youngest daughter's 25 now. That's Lori. She's an adult woman. And she's free to make decisions that I have nothing to do with. She lives on her own. She makes her own money. She's doing really well. I'm very proud of her. Um, we've had a lot of talks, man. I've vetoed a lot of boys. I got four daughters, man. I've seen them all come through the door. And I've vetoed a lot of boys. I've had words. And trust and believe I have. Not just with Lori, but from Brandy, Carly. I, don't, I put some boys out and told them, this is, it. this is not for you. I put one boy out of my house, and he told me, he said, well, as he was going out the door, he said, Mr. Harvey, can I be honest with you? No disrespect, but I don't think this decision is yours. I said, well, let me help you understand something, son. I said, you see that gate down there that you drove through? He said, yes, sir. I said, everything on this side of the gate belonged to me. Everything. That grass, that little fountain out there, this house. Everybody living in this house, they belong to me. I say, right now, your car that's inside that gate, that's my car right now. Until you get in it and drive off, that car belongs to me. I got some people that come out here, had this old car on. So I said, listen, man, you, you got to understand that. And so I've kind of been in my daughter's ears for a long time about what to expect. And I've tried to be an example for them of how they should be treated. Like I've spoiled all of my daughters. So now, if a boy comes along and you're not in the girl spoiling business, that's not my problem. These are spoiled. And if you're not in the woman spoiling business, just go on where you're going, man. That's all. It's okay. Because I got enough to take care of my daughters until they find the right one who will take care of them instead of me. Two of my daughters are married. Two boys finally showed their worthiness, asked me for their hand in marriage, and I approved it. Uh, now, I've had some boys come through that door that I disapproved of, and, and by the grace of God, we've gotten rid of all of them. All of them. And hopefully I won't let a bad one slip through the crack. Now, as far as being on Ellen, and she's showing that picture of, I hadn't seen that picture. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of throws you because this is your <laughs> daughter, right? You know, you don't want to got his hand on the leg. Hey, man, you know. And I don't really care who he is. You know, This is my little girl first. Because if y'all break up, she's still my child. She's still my daughter, you know. And uh, I look out for her. Uh, right now, everybody's with who they need to be with. You know, they're in relationships and uh, I'm pulling for them. I think the ones that's in relationships are pretty good right now. The three that are in it, uh, see what happens with this oldest one. But uh, so far, so good, man. But you got a seven-year-old daughter, brother. All I can give you is this piece of advice right here. The first boy that come to the door, that rang the doorbell, I'm just going to tell you, make an example out of him. So he goes back up to the school and he go, hey, man, what's your daughter's name? Emily. Emily, daddy, crazy. That's all you want him to go back to the school and say, hey, man, Emily, daddy, crazy. And he get around real fast. You just need them to know that she has someone at her house that's her father, and he ain't no cakewalk. So if you come up in here to get Emily, because I know what you want. When you come for my daughter, I know exactly what you want. I don't care if your daddy and them go to the Holy Presbyterian, First Christ, Holy Mother Mary Jesus Church. When that boy come through the door for my daughter, I know what this boy wants. So now I just want you to know that she has a gatekeeper here. So it ain't just getting past her, it's getting past me. And the moment a boy knows that there's a check and balance for this girl, that she has a protector, that there's a dragon in that cave, they treat them daughters, they treat them girls differently. So just the first one come to your house, just make an example out of him, and so he go back up to the school and go, Emily, Daddy craze,
0: and word to get round, and they make it. Well, yeah. I hope so. And I, I got three boys; she's got three older brothers, so hopefully uh, the dominoes got to fall before they do get to me. But listen, Steve, I, I obviously I'm in no hurry to get there, but I do want all my children to have happy, healthy, successful relationships, marriages, families. I mean, I hope yeah. to keep this thing going. So. Uh, But the the onset of it will be a little bit, uh, you know, I'm not anticipating it really, you know, anytime soon. But uh, switching it over on a lighter note here with the family feud. I've been a fan of that show forever. You bring obviously a much different energy to it. And I'm always I always love the dad's responses. And sometimes they look like a deer in the headlights with some of the questions. Do you know when you're getting ready to ask these questions, you have a question like, oh, man, dad is going to screw this one up or dad's going to crush this? Like, can you tell already when you're going to ask the question how the dads are going to respond to the stuff?
1: Well, I know because, see, when, you, when I do Family Feud, people don't understand the pressure that the contestants are under. you got to understand something, man. Here's some people who have never been on national TV before. They're standing in front of a quote-unquote TV star. They've been watching this show in hopes of getting on there for years. Their family gets picked to be on the show. They only have X amount of seconds to answer the question, are they going to get an X? And so their name is on their tag. I found out a lot about them. We know where they work, what they do. And their family name is up in lights behind. They are usually under a pressure that they've never seen before. So I already know with that pressure right there that they're going to be answering these questions a little bit off. And I just sit there and wait. And my only job is to wait on you to say something that I think can go viral. (laughs) that's all i do i just lay in the cut man and i just do what no other game show on tv does i make it personal i make your answer about you and i have the right to and the reserve the right to question your answer and that's what makes my host in the game show better than anybody else and and more different than anybody else and and that's what led to the success so i know these dads Are trying to say the right thing. They got kids listening. They get their wife, especially when their wife is on the show. I know he's about to say something dumb. And it just makes my day.
0: Yeah. And and more so than looking forward to what the answer is going to be, it's always looking forward to your reaction to the answer that really makes it uh, worth it. And I've been a fan of yours for a long time, going back to the deaf comedy. And one of the things, Steve, I drive a lot of Uber on the weekends. Uh, friday saturday nights and it's mainly the drunks that i drive around i always pull back in my memory that comedy bit with you when i see them about to throw up and they get that wind building up in their cheeks i always pull over (laughs) and get them out of the car quick and i I always think about that from you back in the day with that with that line but (laughs) hey comedy comedy has changed a lot since then them days and i know a lot of the censorship and all this other stuff what's your take on all this stuff facing comedians today cancel culture and, and the censorship going on with comedians
1: Well, uh, the council culture and political correctness has killed comedy. It's killed it. Comedy used to be a therapeutic place to go, man. It used to be a place where people could go and laugh at the absurd. They could go and laugh at themselves. They could go laugh at the different takes that comedians had on different subjects. Well, now we live in a society where you have to now agree with everything everybody says and you have to agree with everything everybody does or you're considered politically incorrect and now you have to go well i'm not that guy i'm sorry man listen to me if you choose a certain lifestyle that's not like mine i'm absolutely cool with that but when you ask me about it i have the right to tell you my my angle on it and if i don't agree with it man why I got to be the one in the wrong? Why you got to take my show from me? Look, if you want to do or be whatever you want to do or be, Steve Harvey's cool with everybody choosing the lifestyle you want. But don't come to me and ask me my opinion of the lifestyle. And then when I tell you I don't agree with it for me, now there's something wrong with me. And I think we've done this to everybody now, not just comedians. I don't have to agree with your lifestyle, man. If that's what you want to do, cool. But why do I have to agree with it? And if I don't, I'm canceled. I'm in trouble. You got to take my show, take my career. No, man, no. You know, look, if you don't like my lifestyle, like, like for example, if, if you don't like the fact that I just love women, that's fine. And you can say that to me. And go on and like what you want I don't have a problem with that. But on the other hand, if you choose to live it a certain way and you come and ask me about it, that's not my thing. So what do you want me to do? And I think we've gotten so politically correct that we have now stopped people from having the freedom to think how they want to think. You can't even think a wrong thought anymore. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's not your, your take. Look, man, I'm all for everybody. Man, live your life if that's how you want to do it. But once you come over here and I tell you what mine is, you can't get mad at me. That's all I like. This is what I like. I'm not trying to try nothing else, so quit asking me. So I just try to stay away from the interviews When they ask me about questions, I say, hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Save my career.
0: Yeah, I love your take on that. And I wanted to ask you too, outside of Michael B., who would you like to see play you in a movie, a biopic, Steve Harvey, The Life and Times? Whew. Man, the only
1: dude that could really play me, I think, in a movie, he had to lose some weight is Earthquake. <laughs> <It's a laughs> comedian named Earthquake. I think he could play me because he has a kind of the same comedic sensibilities that I do. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a hard one, man. But I I won't say earthquake. Heck, I look better than earthquake.
0: (laughs) Well, listen, I I I would love to see the pick myself. Obviously, you've had a legendary career here. You're going to be known as one of the legends. Your legacy in the comedy world is secure. But what do you want your legacy to be as a father?
1: My legacy as a father, man, is that I left behind a lineage of people who can look at me and be proud of the life I lived and the things that I've done outside of comedy and outside of entertainment. That my dad built a ranch, and he changed hundreds of thousands of boys and girls' lives. And he spent millions and millions of his dollars to make sure that children who were less fortunate had a shot that wouldn't normally have gotten a shot. If my children could remember me for that, and remember what my mother taught me when she taught Sunday school. She told me a long time ago, and I didn't get it. She says, son, one day God gonna give you a big house up on the hill. You can't get up on that hill and don't show nobody else how to get there. And if my children could remember me as a man and a father that taught not only them how to get there, but a few million other people, that's the legacy.
0: Wow, yeah, very well said. God bless you there, Stephen. The last thing I wanna hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening?
1: My man, buckle up and just get ready because (laughs) let me tell you something, man. It's hard to be a great father, and I'll tell you why. Because you're never going to get it 100. And I'll tell you why I say that. I was listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes one day, and he put it in a nutshell for me. If you're the primary breadwinner at your house, you're probably not gonna be home to be the breadwinner. Well, if you're not home, then you're not there. And if you are the primary breadwinner and you're there all the time, then you're probably not winning the bread that you need to win. And so now they don't have everything that you want them to have. So if you're out doing what you gotta do, it's going to cost you time. If you're there trying to give them the time, it's going to cost you the lifestyle. So don't worry about being a one hundred percent father because you're not going to get it. And your kids are going to grow up and they won't appreciate you, and until they're much older, being a father is a thankless job. Oftentimes, but it's our job. It's ours. I'm proud of it. I. I honor my responsibility. It is what it is. I am responsible for every life that I touch as a man and a father, and I just wear it, man. And whatever come with it, come with it. But I ain't gonna be one hundred percent with it, and 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 I'm okay with that. But at the end, when it's said and done, they're gonna have to say, man, he was a pretty good father.
0: He's a good dad, and so
1: I just take that.
0: Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Steve Harvey, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. I enjoyed it, man.
0: Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I gotta give a special thank you once again to Steve Harvey for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Hit me up on Twitter guys or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. That was an absolute honor for me. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Don't forget first class fatherhood advice and wisdom from high profile dads is now available on amazon for pre-order you'll find the link to it in today's show notes or you can just go to firstclassfatherhood.com for more information the book will be launching on april 12th so please help support the podcast here pick up a copy for yourself or an about-to-be dad in your family a new dad whoever will it be and make a great gift for you guys so please help support get over there to amazon and pre-order first class fatherhood today that's all i got for you guys i'm alec lace thank you for listening to first class fatherhood and please remember Guys, we are not babysitters, we are fathers, and we're not just fathers, we are first class fathers.